1: Welcome to the table. We discuss issues of God and culture. I'm Daryl Bach, Executive Director at the Hendricks Center, and our topic this morning is Millennials. That's the group that came after the Baby Boomers and the Gen Xers, and and we're actually going to discuss statistics that involve a little bit of the Gen Xers and mo and the Millennials as well. Uh, but our discussion point is to figure out um, kind of how this group fits into the dynamics of the church. Uh, many people have said it's a different generation from the generations that have preceded it, and so we're going to analyze that a little bit. We're also uh, thinking through uh, a conference that's upcoming for us called uh, Prone to Wander," in which Gabe Lyons is going to be the major guest speaker. So. Um, we're glad you could join us this morning. And I'm going to let our guests introduce themselves. Normally I introduce them, but I figured this is a fun group. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves. And Jay, I'll let you begin. All right. Uh, my name is Jay Sedwick, and I
2: i Am a professor of educational ministries here at Dallas Theological Seminary, beginning my eighteenth year on faculty, and I've been working with young people or adolescents for thirty
1: years. Okay, educational ministries—is that what we call the department? That's what yeah. we call it now. It's oh, okay. called educational yeah, ministries I mean, and leadership. Trouble is, when you've been here as long as I have, you know the name. The department goes through a variety of names, and so by the time I finally decide to retire, the Lord takes me. I'm sure it'll be called something else. You are not on the memo, apparently. So <laughs> That's exactly that right. You. Okay very
3: good. Uh, I'm Mark Matlock, uh, I'm the executive director of Youth Specialties and uh, we resource youth workers in the church and we uh, uh, I've been working with teenagers and millennials for Ooh, let's see, 25 years next year. So well, weren't years.
1: you a millennial when you started working with millennials? Mm-hmm. Or? Yeah, no,
3: I'm I'm, I'm I'm squarely in Gen X. Okay, so, right. yeah, right. I'm an Xer. I'm angry about it.
1: Oh, so, really? What you are you? Yeah, are I'm you very wish frustrated. You a, wish you'd been a millennial, or would you rather have been a baby boomer? Hey, let, let me tell you.
3: I wish I. I think I'm very jealous of the millennials. Okay. I, I, I look at my kids, and I'm like going, "Oh man, I wish <laughs> I had those opportunities when
1: I was." Well, I, age, let's and, start there. So, what is yeah. it? The Millennials got going for them that that uh, that makes it exciting to be a millennial. Well, you know, one thing is just the size of the generation.
3: Mm-hmm. It's a large generation, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's pretty big, and that's one of the things Gen Xers sometimes have a little bit of. Uh, problem with is we're this small, tiny little generation sandwiched between two really big generations. Yeah, you're
1: the tomato in the sandwich, huh? <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. And, uh, and, you know, the boomers have held on to their seats of leadership uh-huh. for a little too long, uh-huh. not making space for us. Okay, and, I heard that. And now by the time we're coming into leadership, it's yeah, almost we're already time leap to. leap over you. Yeah, yeah it's time yeah, to turn right. it over and pass the of push it away. Yeah, right. so we're just an angry generation. Yeah. Reality Bites is the movie that defines us. Uh, Gen X, but the millennials—I mean, literally—they're living at such a, a fascinating time mm-hmm. um, on 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 Earth. Uh, and I guess every time is a fascinating time on Earth. But mm-hmm. there's some really interesting things taking on taking place with technology mm-hmm. and globalization that just make the world a very fun place to be right now. Mm-hmm. And possibilities. And you know, I think about how God created us in the garden to. You know, fill the earth and to subdue it and to be co-creators with Mm -hmm. what He's doing. And I think this generation has more tools to do that with Mm -hmm. than any generation before them. And And they can thank
1: the baby boomers and the Gen Xers for that, can't they?
3: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. But um, but yeah, I think about that, and not just the ability to create it, but to share it. Mm And so there's a lot of neat things that they have access to. And unfortunately, um, the institution of the church, if we look at it as an institution as opposed to um, some of the community life that it really should reflect, um, I don't think that it's kept pace with where the millennials and their opportunities are. Hmm. And I think they're kind of bored with the church. Okay.
1: Well, we will come back to that. That's a, that's a suggestive teaser as yes, it was, it was. Yeah.
3: <laughs> i built that into my inner yeah, so something good. to say yeah yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> all right jay so what's your take on all this as you as you listen to well it? my what
2: what concerns me is is the fact that there's a lot of study going on Uh of the millennials, and I'm a little skeptical of the studies. Uh Um, My background in research tells me that um, there are a lot of hypotheses out there, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of things that are being looked at, and yet uh, you got to look at who's studying it, why they're studying it, what they're trying to come up with, Mm -hmm. what they're trying to push Mm -hmm. in many ways. Um, You've heard the old adage, you know, there are lies, there are damn lies, and there are statistics. And the statistics are at the bottom of that Exactly, list. exactly, because, because you can make a lot of things sound like you uh-huh. want to sound. And there's a lot of things that are being said about millennials that I want to step back and say, all right, where did the study come from? What are they saying about mm-hmm. it? Why are they funding this study? What are they trying to push? What books are they trying to sell? What conferences are they trying to populate with people? Oh, my goodness. And all those kinds of things and say, is what they're saying really accurate, Mm-hmm. And a lot of times those headlines mm-hmm. are what they're really driving. They want to get a headline. They want to get attention. They want to stir people up. They want to get people excited. And then if you really dig in and look at things, you say, you know what? There's really not a whole lot there, mm-hmm. but they're still making a big deal out of it. Interesting.
1: Well, what Interesting. Well, where I want to begin, since you discussed the issue of opportunities, is kind of discuss where we are sociologically with, the, with this age group and the group that is just above it in terms of age. And the, the book that I'm going to draw on here is a book by Wa- Robert uh, Wuthra, who is a sociologist at Princeton, and, and, uh, uh, and he wrote a book called After the Baby Boomers, Looking at This Generation. Now this book is um, just short of, uh, of ten years old, but it's, but it's interesting in the factors that he says have shaped the millennials. And he, and he goes through seven of these. Now some of these we've discussed before in our earlier podcasts, but I think it's an interesting list and I think it raises interesting questions. And Mark, when you say the church hasn't kept up with this generation, part of what they're not keeping up with are these demographical features that have formed and shaped people uh, that then uh, the church has to cope with. So here we go. The first one is called delayed marriage. Now you put that phrase together and you go, what in the world is a delayed marriage? Yeah. But, but the point is I think that generally speaking this generation is getting married later. Yes. That, uh, that from the time uh, uh, someone leaves uh, home. From high school to go to college or whatever it is they're going to do, till the time they become married and establish a family, has stretched out over the last generation significantly. Um, somewhere, interestingly enough, between seven to ten years, uh, I think is 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 where this is falling, depending mm-hmm. on which part of the group you're looking at. That's accurate. Um, uh, just to be autobiographical for a second, my son, who's 31. Um, is very much a, a reflection of this. Uh, I look back at my life, and when you know, when I started dating, thinking about having a family, etc. You know, I was married at 22. <coughs> He's 31. He is just beginning his first significant relationship at 31. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that's I, you know, as a dad, I was going, what in the world's going on here? Anyway, so um, so you've got that kind of, of delay, and, and that's they're, very common. It's very very common. And it's a yeah.
3: huge shift.
1: Yeah, and 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 we're going to see there are other factors that are playing into why this is happening, like the way in which the economics of being a young person and going to college and debt and what that means for. For, for uh, students and that kind of thing, so there are a lot of factors that are in play here. But the fact is that's happening, and that's creating a gap for the church um, that we have talked about before. Which is, it used to be the pattern was one of the other statistics that's in here is is a couple is more likely to go to church than single people are generally speaking, mm-hmm. and it's two to one female to male as well. And so. So what that means is it used to be you would you know you might drop out from being involved in the church but you'd get married relatively young you'd have your kids and you would go how are we going to raise our kids and you go back to the church to have the church help that was but now the adult pattern has become so established that when they get married and have their kids they're not asking that question quite so much anymore and so they're not coming back in the numbers that they were so that's right. one of the factors So obviously delayed marriage is an important part of this picture Yes and and it's a you know, it's
3: significant in a lot of ways because what it really does is it allows an individual to create, um, you know, to accept different scripts that mm-hmm. go outside of the ba- the norms of society. Mm-hmm. Um, even with sexuality, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Bob Priest, a missiologist, anthropologist, he um, was talking about the fact that in the United States, because we have such a long time from puberty to um, uh, to marriage, mm-hmm. especially now with the Gang longer, that mm-hmm. we have more opportunities to explore mm-hmm. different sexual scripts mm-hmm. rather than the ones that are proposed by society. Which is why, when you go and look at the um, the sexual expression of other cultures, mm-hmm. you'll see not as much variation as you do in the United States mm-hmm. because of these uh, these different factors. And anthropologists are studying sexuality in, in really interesting ways right now. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fascinating what they're what they're learning about how that's expressed in different cultures. How much is genetic? What But that that distance away from home is affecting church attendance, it's allowing for a different set of values and mindsets to emerge.
1: Yeah, and you put that alongside what what actually comes out of the '60s and the sexual revolution, the arrival of the pill, the choices that people have. Mm-hmm. So that so you're getting more partners, you're getting more people living together. Living together without being married is not at nearly as unusual as it used to be. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the exact numbers are, but it's it's it's, it's pretty
3: staggering. Yeah,
1: you know the, the amount of cohabitation that's
3: happening. Yeah. So so this is a very very common thing that's going on, and the research is showing that cohabitation cohabitation doesn't actually help marriage. Exactly right. You no. know that it actually that marriages where there's cohabitation before mm-hmm. typically don't don't work out. Now that could change over time as
1: you know a, a new frames emerge but mm-hmm. that's that's it, it, it's interesting. interesting, I actually it was in Canada a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we were looking at uh, a variety of things uh, dealing with the same sex decision. In the midst of it, I happened to call up an article from the New York Times that wasn't about same sex, but it was about cohabitation, written by a counselor, and basically it was a counselor saying – and this was a secular counselor saying, this is what I tell couples who live together who think that because they live together, they're better prepared for marriage. And, the, and basically she said, the statistics are – that that's not the result, mm-hmm. and so uh, and so, particularly to f- to female count- counselees that she had, she's saying, don't don't. Fall into that trap, basically, is what she was saying, mm-hmm. and it was an interesting article because I mean, this is the New York Times. This is, you know, this is not the Southern Baptist uh, Press <laughs> right, that right. we're talking about. <laughs> right. And and, and so uh, it, it just f- fascinating. Yeah. I in fact, it was so fascinating. I, I took my iPad, handed it over to my wife, and said, "Hey, take a look at this. This mm-hmm. is an interesting. This is an mm-hmm. interesting article." Yeah. What do you notice about delayed marriage? Um, well, we haven't kind of put a number on it yet, but. Uh,
2: Studies and uh-huh. here I am going to quote statistic Good after what you. I opened with. You are yeah. educated. Yeah, here we go, yeah. here, yeah. we here we but, go. <laughs> but the, you know, most of, if you average out the numbers and the studies are saying the average age for first marriage is around 27 okay. years old, and that is a lot later than it used to be. And you've already identified a number of the factors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the biggest factors we've kind of talked a little bit about is is economics. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is such a, a consumer oriented um, country. Mm-hmm. And in, in the Western world, and we are trying very much to get ahead, to get a little bit more, to be stable, and and people make decisions based on uh, I'm not going to get married because I don't have enough money to make this work. Mm-hmm. How are we going to support one another? Very How much where live? my son is. Yeah. Um, it's 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 a big big. They're, they're, they're uh, graduating with lots of college
3: debt. Exactly yeah, exactly. You know, we have more 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 you know people going to college. More millennials right. are going to college than ever. Right, but right. they're not being able to pay for it. Right. right. I mean couples that I'm counseling, doing marriage counseling with right now. Uh, before they get married a lot of them are starting off a hundred to 200000 dollars in debt as a couple yeah with their which with is their staggering t- and
2: and that that weight around their neck mm-hmm. um, you know what kind of a, a profession are you going to go into other than a medical doctor and, or, or maybe an attorney or something right. like that that can really make a significant income to yeah. pay off some of that debt I think've saddled with that for for a very very long mm-hmm. time and then um, you know one of the main reasons for being married in the past has mm-hmm. been to start a family yeah. and to have children and we've we've delayed that process and yeah, one of that's the problems coming to next yeah one of the problems that we talked about um, in in the past is is the fact that children are no longer viewed as an asset mm-hmm. children are viewed as a liability mm-hmm. uh, where in the past it was how many children can you have the more you have the more productive and the more uh, favorable your family would be mm-hmm. uh, in the culture and in the society and in terms of your livelihood but today uh, there's you know negotiations going on how many children are we going to have how many can we afford you know yeah. diapers are expensive and yeah. all the things and that's a reality that in, in that, my premarital that we counseling face.
3: a lot of couples and i talked to about family mm. they're saying we don't want to have any kids yeah oh.
0: this episode is brought to you in part by thomas nelson publisher of grieve breathe receive finding a faith strong enough to hold us written and narrated by pastor steve carter grieve breathe receive those three words became a profound mantra for steve carter during a season of deep healing the kind that comes after painful trauma grieve breathe receive is available everywhere audiobooks are sold visit thomasnelson.com audio to learn more It's um, you know, this is actually they've
1: they've agreed on that. This is this is the second factor that's on the list, so we might as well go there. It says fewer and later children, on average, six years later to have the first child versus 1959, a birth rate that's half of what it was in 1910. Only half men, half of men in their 30s live in a home with a child of their own. I mean, that's those are uh, amazing. Statistics. So fewer children, later children. Uh, And here's another thing. You know, how we live our lives does impact what we do. And so, you know, years ago, you basically had family businesses in most cases, or Mm -hmm. or or something like that. So. So, you know, the father would pass on the business to the son if you were thinking or the skill to the son, et cetera. And so the more children you had, you were actually contributing to the human resources part of your operation, if Correct. I can say it that way. Yeah. Well, with all the choices, you said possibilities. With all the choices that we have, people don't necessarily children don't necessarily decide to do what their parents do. In fact that's probably unu- more unusual now. And and because of all the choices you don't have that factor in play plus another factor that we're going to get to is you've got um, both parents working in part because of the the debt issue that creates that need plus the freedom to be able to do and it and the desire to have and more and the desire to have more all those things are playing in there so so that that strains the ability to raise a child for a lot of people in their thinking they think they lose their freedom when they get their children which i mean who can argue with that? There's that a certain truth to that. So uh, you know, so there are all these factors in play, and so uh, so millennials are really dealing with uh, a whole a whole another way of living, if I can say it that way, than generally has happened before, and and we're still going through the adjustments periods on on, on some of that. Mm-hmm. Is that is that what you're finding? Oh, I, I think so. I think you know, they're they think about everything that's been disrupted,
3: mm-hmm. the financial mm-hmm. industry, so the ability to To even launch a business, you know what I mean. Um, It's like mom and dad are becoming the venture capitalists. Uh (laughs) You know, um, we have things like Kickstarter, Mm -hmm. and you know, I was just talking to a guy who uh, who works with a lot of young startup. Uh, type of, of groups, he's, he's a bit of a venture capitalist, and he said, everybody has the, – all these millennials have this positive energy about mm-hmm. what they want to do and they believe they can do just about anything, mm-hmm. but they're scared out of their minds because mm-hmm. they don't really know mm-hmm. how they're going to make it happen. Uh-huh. And um, and there's the reality that maybe nobody likes or responds to, to what you do. So it is interesting, you know, you have disruptions in, in publishing, in music in government i mean literally every aspect of life has been disrupted a lot of it by technology mm-hmm. and um, and so we are kind of trying to feel our way out you know with this generation for for instance a lot of a lot of millennials in fact um, uh, Barna Research did a little series of frame books, Mm -hmm. and one of them was on 20-somethings, and um, 82% of them wanted to be married, Mm -hmm. right? but before they got married, Mm -hmm. they wanted to do these things. Uh, 70% (laughs) wanted to be fully developed as a person. Okay. (laughs) Uh, 69% wanted to be financially established. 60% um, thought that they should live together with somebody, but 3 out of every 10 millennials said Mm -hmm. that they weren't convinced that conventional marriage was the way to go. Mm -hmm. And that's their reflection, I believe, on looking at their parents Mm -hmm. and their grandparents and going, did this work? Did Mm -hmm. this play itself out? Mm -hmm. And they're wanting a better life.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that fully developed thing is really interesting. Is if you can going inter- to as, as a perfect person, married to a perfect person, <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah, yeah, which you're never completely <laughs> fully developed, <laughs> regardless. Exactly, exactly yeah. right. It's all a growth process. So um, let me let's bring in a couple of other factors because we've raised them, in the, and really we've got to talk about all these together. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what what. Uh, Withrow has listed as uncertainties of work and money, dual work families, more financial pressure, consumption debt, work with stress is up because of these demands, uh, fluidity on the job for the young is high. In other words, they're, doing, they're working, but they're moving from place to place. There's not stability in those jobs. They're constantly uh, searching and moving. Here's, here's an interesting set of statistics. There's more parental support for a longer term. And in the group that is between eighteen and thirty-four, now remember this is a while back, but I think it's interesting. The average was thirty-eight thousand dollars of support from parents for Mm -hmm. that age group. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a that's a significant chunk of change. Yeah, it is. And it shows you the pressure that's on that that they're uh, this group is independent but they're in some senses they're not independent they're still quite dependent at the same time right. and we have to ask ourselves is that a bad thing
3: mm-hmm. you know in america we have this narrative of independence mm-hmm. which is individuality why, and individuality yeah. you right. know, and we tell people to pursue your dream and and fulfill your passion but if you look at cultures that are interdependent mm-hmm where they, they, they don't take a job based on whether they're passionate about it. They take it on whether it's good for the community mm-hmm. for them to do it, mm-hmm. which is why I think that we see um, a lot of, uh, of non-white uh, and, and immigrant you know, peoples uh, in the United States pursuing these technology jobs and things. They're taking positions that nobody else. You know, is necessarily working hard for, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of an interesting thing because they're not things that they're passionate about, but they're things that they're willing to work for because there's a there's an opportunity there. I'm looking at career counseling today with uh, with teenagers, and nobody's asking them what what are the careers that you can make a living in. What they're being told is, what does your heart tell you you want to do? Yeah, yeah. you know, and that's just a different way of thinking, right? And so, so you know, maybe you know, because I know with my children who are, are definitely in the millennial category. I have a completely different relationship with them mm-hmm. than I do than I did with my parents mm-hmm. which is still a very close relationship mm-hmm. but there is definitely much more interdependence and even as a parent I act differently as a parent mm-hmm. with them than than I do than my dad and mom acted with me, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of it has to do with this idea that we're a little bit different family unit. There's a little different community going on there, and I probably will be more supportive of them and helping them launch their. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I can. Already, we're already talking about those things. Yeah. You know, Entrepreneurially, right. mm-hmm. you know, what are the things that they're going to be involved in? Jack? There,
2: but there's a there is a conflict that I see though in in terms of the industry. Uh, we have, um, uh, th- you know at the risk of sounding a little bit conspiratorial, mm-hmm. um, we have the larger corporations in our country and in our world mm-hmm. that really do pull an awful lot of strings, mm-hmm. and they are pushing, pushing, pushing STEM. You've mm-hmm. got to get science, technology, engineering, and math. You've got to go do STEM degrees. And, and even in Washington, they're bemoaning the fact that we're not turning out enough people in those fields and these high-tech jobs are going unfulfilled or unfilled, and 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 yet on the other side we're asking students, what do you want to be? You know, what 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 does your heart tell you? But the marketplace is saying, I don't care what your heart tells you. We need you to be an engineer. We need, we need, need you to be yeah. We yeah. need these yeah. particular skills, and it's driven so much by the economy. It's driven by the economies and the mm-hmm. things that that these larger corporations and and the and the the pursuit of the future and and innovation and those kinds of things. And and we've got to have people in those positions. So there's a little bit of a tension and a conflict there between, you know, what does my heart tell me, but but yet if I want a job and I'm if I'm going to survive, I've
1: got to go do this. Yeah, and I think that's what came. We mentioned earlier the fluidity of where people move. Uh, as they move through jobs, particularly when they're young. You know, you don't have the situation that, again, you used to have before where someone would go to college, find a job, and they might be with a company for 10, 15, 20 years. Right, which is you rare know. these days. That's right. That's rare. You're moving around and, and that kind of thing. But I also think some of that is someone starts off and they, they want to work in their passion, and they start off working in their passion, they realize I can't I can't earn a living doing this. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm gonna have to think about something else. And maybe they go back to school to complete and, and adjust their qualifications, that kind of thing, and boom, you know, they're in they're in the cycle. And then you also get the reverse. The person starts off in the job that people told them, they end up being very unsatisfied with where they are. And so they say, I'm scrapping this and I'm gonna do something I really wanna do. With all the with all the The loss, if I can say it that way, that that choice makes for them financially, but they've still got all these other realities around them that they're having to cope with. Mm -hmm. So it's the opportunities and choices are multiple, but then the moves can sometimes put you in awkward positions in terms of where you are in life.
2: There's also, I think, uh, an odd, um, and Mark, you've probably seen this too, there's an odd perspective that young people have of the get rich quick. Um, kind of thing that that I'm going to be an NFL player, I'm going to be in the NBA, mm-hmm. or I'm going to be Mark Zuckerberg, or and or there are a few that pull American that off. Idol, but, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, know, yeah. exactly. And so there's this pursuit of the get rich quick kind of. Uh, there's something out there that I, I can I can do if I just find that one thing, man. I'm I'm set. I'm mm-hmm. going to uh, instead of the. Let's just dig in and do the work. We're gonna have and, to slog through and life, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. And, but but we watch on on TV and we see these people who have who have made it, and mm-hmm. and I want that. I want to be that. I want you know. And and it's just not realistic. Mm-hmm. And uh, or maybe it is. It, for a few, for a yeah, very few. But, I mean, but <laughs> that's yeah. the
3: problem. But That's the thing is, you know, there there are the the Zuckerbergs, you know, and those people that hit it huge. But you don't always have to hit it that big, mm-hmm. correct? Right? You could hit it. Man, I would take a tenth, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, so, that's true. Yeah. So you know, so I mean, so to hit it on a smaller level, yeah, you know, and and I think that's what's interesting is that we have, and this is why that go back to the envy mm-hmm. of the millennial mm-hmm. generation. They are a generation of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. They're looking for opportunities, yes. but they also are living. They have more simple ideas of life, mm-hmm. um, and and it'll be interesting to see what actually happens over the long term. Because you know that boomers started out, you know, flower mm-hmm. children mm-hmm. and peace, love, you know, all those kind of stuff.
1: tie-dye shirts. Yes, and, tie-dye
3: shirts. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they got super corporate, right? Yeah, uh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and let's Reality take charge and yeah, let's yeah. do this. <laughs> And it'll be interesting to see if this generation doesn't maybe uh, live more into the fulfilled vision Mm -hmm. of their baby boomer grandparents, Mm -hmm. where they say... You know what? Um, living more simply and not having to live with as much material wealth mm-hmm. is actually a better way to go. I don't need that mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see if they do. Communities more important. Experience is mm-hmm. more important. Uh, I want to. I want to have a place to go. You know, the the other trend that we're seeing uh, in, in the urban context is the what they call the ghettoification of the suburbs, mm-hmm. where wealth is moving into the cities right. and pushing. Poverty out. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we, we Look made, at Dallas. And It's yeah, exactly. amazing what's yeah, happening exactly. in Dallas. Yeah, and Dallas yeah. is just one of a kajillion cities where that's happening. And, um, and so what that... What that does, it creates new ways of people interacting and connecting with one another. That's right, and a new way of living and saying it's important for me to rub shoulders against people that I don't know Mm -hmm. because things happen, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Synapses happen Mm -hmm. between people, and Mm -hmm. and opportunities are created. So this is a very interesting time.
1: Well, let let me let me get through the rest of the list and put them all on the table because I think that what we're seeing is this is all interacting. Higher education. Now, this is stated this way: higher education for some college education with graduation especially for women is up significantly but still only 25% of the of the population as a whole graduates so that's an that's an interesting um, combination of And those fights. who don't are Steve Jobs, Bill Gates. Mark <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, don't <laughs> even go there. Yeah. Don't even yeah. go there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we can keep dealing with the exceptions <laughs> that that are the
3: rule for the exceptions. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. and yeah. Then, Conan O'Brien in his graduation speech, I think it was, I can't remember where it was, MIT maybe, but he, he said to the, congratulations for accomplishing what 90% of your generation has accomplished. Yeah. yeah. You're not a dropout like, it was yeah, really, yeah. really funny, but it was very poignant um, yeah. In terms of capturing the spirit of the times.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know? L- uh, which reminds me of an introduction I heard from Lou Holtz that he gave this year uh, at a sk- school, I think it was in West Virginia. It goes something like Hi, I'm Lou Holtz. I'm 79 years old. I've been 21 before, and you've never been 79. <laughs> <laughs> <like laughs> and that's who that. began to share his one. wisdom. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway, yeah. Uh, so, um, anyway uh, only Lou Holtz could do something like that. <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. Join us next week for part two. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well. This episode was brought to you in part.